What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 114, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, September 12th, 2020, headlined by Michelle Waterson versus Angela Hill. This 13-fight card will take place from Las Vegas, Nevada at the UFC Apex and will take place in the small UFC cage. I am recording this podcast on September 11th around noontime, which means the weigh-ins are taking place right now. I hope everybody makes weight and we have 13 fights tomorrow night, but there have been some late changes to the card already. We had Jalen Turner replace Frank Camacho to take on Brock Weaver. We had Romana versus Martinez added to the card, and... Just as of today, we had Kevin Kroom replace Matt Frivola on the card as well. So all those changes are up to date, and we will be analyzing all 13 fights here shortly. So we're going to start things off in the women's flyweight division. We have Sabina Mazzo taking on Justine Kish. The opening betting line for this one was Mazzo, the favorite, at minus 275 to Kish, plus 235. Right now, we are seeing Mazzo minus 235 to Kish, plus 195. More action coming in on the underdog, Justine Kish here, and that is the right side to be on. I was actually a part of that action. I bet Kish at plus 235 on FanDuel. Just a small bet because I think there is some value here. I'm not overly confident in Kish, but I think this would be a mostly striking fight, and I think it's going to be competitive at distance, and it's going to be competitive in the clinch as well. I do give Mazzo a slight advantage at distance. I think she's the more effective distance striker. She has a more versatile uh, offense. She throws punches and kicks mixes it up a little bit better while kish is mostly just a leg kicker she threw like 50 leg kicks or something like that versus pudalova but she showed some decent footwork in that fight and she showed that she's a veteran because pudalova was the favorite going into that fight it seemed like she would have a lot of advantages but kish uh, just used her footwork was leg kicking her was tying her up in the clinch and was able to defeat her that way and a pretty safe decision victory for kish now getting over to Mazzo's last fight, she was getting outboxed by J.J. Aldrich in the first half of the fight, but made some necessary adjustments, started getting the fight in the clinch, and outstriking Aldrich in the clinch, and was able to win round two and three of that fight. It was a very close decision as well, though, and she struggled with the boxing of J.J. Aldrich. She got hit a lot in those first two rounds, so I mostly just think that Mazzo shouldn't be a minus 200 favorite over anybody decently competent, and I think that Kish will make this fight competitive at distance, will make it very competitive in the clinch. I do expect Mazo to have a slight advantage at distance just because she is the longer, more effective striker when they're at range. But once it gets into the clinch, it's going to get very competitive. And I think that we could even see Kish win those clinch exchanges. So this is going to be a really close fight. I favor Mazo at around 60, 63%. So minus 150, minus 170 would be appropriate for her. But when Kish is at Two to one. I think that there is value on her, and I will be betting Kish small. I think the most likely way she gets it done is by decision. So if you just want to throw a small bet on Kish by decision, I think that's a good play for this fight. But ultimately, I am going to pick Mazo by decision, but it's a clear dog or pass fight for me. And I think that Kish will make it very competitive, and I will be betting Kish money line and Kish decision for small bets. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Brian Barberina taking on Anthony Ivey. The opening betting line for this one was Barbarina minus 225 to Ivy plus 190. Right now we are seeing Barbarina minus 255 to Ivy plus 215. 
more action has come in on Barbarina, but honestly, I think that's the wrong side to be on here. I do think that Barbarina wins the fight. He's the better fighter everywhere. I think he's the better striker by a wide margin, and I think he has the takedown defense and submission defense to not get taken down, not get stuck on his back here. So I give a lot of advantages to Barbarina here, but it just seems like he's towards the end of his career. He's been taking a lot of damage in his recent fights. He's actually been pretty historically durable throughout his entire career, but I think he's coming off back-to-back knockouts he had that war with Luke where he was winning the fight on his way to winning a decision but got knocked out in the last 30 seconds and then versus brown he looked pretty slow he looked like he was de- uh, declining a little bit and it looked like his chin wasn't as good as it once was it looked like his durability is starting to fall off a little bit so based on that alone i think you can't be betting barbarina as a favorite now getting over to Ivy, I did a deep tape study of Ivy when he was making his UFC de- debut against Christian Aguilera, and I bet Aguilera pretty heavy in that fight. And Aguilera did knock him out in like 60 seconds, but I just don't think that fight really proved much. It just really proved that maybe Ivy isn't ready for this UFC level. He got hit with one punch, shelled up, and was TKO'd pretty quickly. And it wasn't even the biggest punch that Aguilera landed. So I think Ivy's chin is definitely a big question here. And Ivy is a wrestler. He likes to hit takedowns and to get top position. But I'm really unimpressed with his wrestling, his top position. He consistently loses top position. I saw multiple Anthony Ivy fights where he was out grappling the guy. He was winning the fight. But then he loses position. He ends on his back. He goes for a sloppy back take. He ends on his back. I mean, he's just a very sloppy grappler in general. So for a guy whose main path to victory is grappling, I don't think that Ivy is a good enough grappler to take down and to hold down Barbarina here. But it wouldn't completely shock me just because Ivy is a pretty athletic guy. Barbarina is at the end of his career and could even be shot at this point. So I'm going to pick Barbarina to win a decision, but it is dog or pass at these odds. I think the only way that Ivy wins the fight is by hitting takedowns here, and Barbarina could win the fight in a lot more ways. So Barbarina decision is the pick, but at this price, it is dog or pass, and I don't even think there's much value on Ivy at all. So uh, maybe look to live bet this fight or going in some props, but in terms of the money line, I see no value on either side here. So it's a pass for me, and the pick is Barbarina by decision. The next fight is a catchweight fight at 165 pounds between Brock Weaver and Jalen Turner. The opening betting line for this fight was Turner minus 450 to Weaver plus 325. Right now we are seeing Turner minus 325 to Weaver plus 250. More action coming in on the underdog Brock Weaver here, and I understand the action because it is a short notice fight. It came together on about two or three days notice, and when those short notice fights happen like that, there's a lot of room for variability, a lot of room for randomness to occur. So I understand why people bet Weaver, but I don't think he has much of a chance to win this fight because he's a really terrible fighter, to be honest. I think that Jalen Turner is the better striker, no question. I don't think anybody would dispute that. And Weaver is basically going to have to hit takedowns to keep top position to out grapple Turner to maybe even hit a submission and I just haven't seen any offensive grappling versus or from Weaver to think that he can do that here versus Turner. Turner's takedown defense and defensive grappling isn't great but I do think it will be good enough to defend the takedowns of Weaver who is just a really bad fighter in my opinion. He's not good at any aspect of MMA so I'm expecting him to lose here and get cut from the UFC. 
They gave him one more chance here on short notice, but I do think he loses here. So the pick for me is going to be Turner by decision. I could see a knockout along the way as well, um, but I'm not really overly impressed with Turner's power. I think the Weaver is pretty tough, so he likely won't get knocked out too easily on the feet here. So the pick for me is going to be Turner by decision. At these odds, it's still dog or pass just because there's too much variability in these short notice fights. But I do think that uh, Turner's chances here are around 75 to 80%. So if you want to bet him, do it at your own discretion but I think that this fight is going to be another pass on both money lines for me. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Alexander Romanov taking on Roque Martinez. The opening betting line for this one was Romanov, the favorite at minus 400 to Martinez plus 300. Right now we are seeing Romanov minus 280 to Martinez plus 220. Another really short notice fight, Alexander Romanov was supposed to fight Dilema last week. He made the weight and the fight was canceled on the day of because Dilema had COVID. So they got Rogue Martinez in here to be a quick replacement for Romanov. I don't think that Martinez has much of a chance. In the fights I watched of him, he was extremely fat, um, for one thing, and he just looked like a very low-level fighter. He had sloppy striking, didn't even seem to have much power for a heavyweight. He gets backed up to the cage rather easily. He did stuff some takedowns and make it into the late rounds of some fights here, but I do not think he does that versus Romanov. We previewed Romanov last week on the podcast. I had a lot of fun watching his fights on tape. They're hilarious fights. He kind of just charges at you and shoots takedowns or goes for big slams and suplexes. He's a hilarious fighter to watch. Don't think he'll have much long-term success in the UFC because his striking is pretty bad and he's really one-dimensional, but I do think Romanov is good enough to take down Martinez early here. The fact that Martinez is coming in on like maybe four to five days notice is a huge detriment to him, mostly because he looked just so fat and uncoordinated when he was training for a fight back in February. I can't imagine how fat and sloppy he's going to be when he wasn't even training for a fight uh, coming in here. So hopefully Martinez makes weight. Props to the guy for coming in on short notice, but I think he gets taken down and finished in round one here. So the pick is going to be Romanov by round one. I think it's probably going to be a submission, but we could see a TKO along the lines too. So the pick once again is Romanov for me. And at minus 280, honestly, there is value on Romanov. I cap him closer to 80, 85% here. I just think it's so, so unlikely that Martinez stuffs takedowns or lands a striking knockout on the feed here. And Romanov should be a pretty massive favorite here. But I'm not betting it myself because it's short notice. It's low-level heavyweight. There's so many red flags here. So just sit back and enjoy this one. Uh, maybe bet some props here. Romanov round one. Romanov by submission. Something like that. But once again, the pick is Romanov by round one finish. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Roosevelt Roberts taking on Kevin Kroom. There is no betting line for this fight yet because it was announced just about one or two hours ago. Roosevelt Roberts was supposed to take on Matt Frivola, but Frivola got replaced on just about one day's notice and Kevin Kroom was coming in here. Um, Kroom was supposed to fight in the UFC on short notice just a few weeks back, but that fight was canceled and he did not get his chance to fight in the UFC, but he actually fought in a different promotion, FAC, and picked up a decision win just about three weeks ago. 
So that's a good sign from Kroom that he was staying active. He's probably in good shape. He's been expecting the short notice call for a while. So I think he'll come in here and put up a decent fight, but I just don't give him much of a chance in this fight. I think that a striking knockout is going to be the only way that Kroom wins the fight, but I don't even think that that's a very likely outcome because I think that Roosevelt is the better striker. The striking I saw on tape of Kroom looked very basic. Sometimes he charges forward with aggressive offense and throws strikes, but his defense is not very good. We actually saw him get dropped really badly by Derek Minner, who is primarily a grappler. And if you're getting dropped by a guy like Minner, it's definitely not a good sign. So we haven't seen Roosevelt strike in a few fights, but he does have some decent straight punches, some uh, good boxing that he can use on lower level fighters. So I think that that's how the striking goes here. We see Roosevelt land the better strikes, and we should see Roosevelt be able to hit takedowns as well. He likes to hit takedowns. He's a pretty solid grappler himself, and I think that once he gets Kroom on the ground, he should keep Kroom there. Kroom's takedown defense isn't great. His submission defense isn't great. And I think that once Roosevelt gets him down to the floor, we should see Roosevelt Roberts start to outgrapple him and eventually submit Kroom here. So the pick for me is going to be Roosevelt Roberts by round two submission. I think that he outstrikes Kroom on the feet. I think he likely hits takedowns and submits Kroom at some point. And Kroom's only chance is going to be a striking knockout on the feet. So theme of the podcast so far is a lot of short notice fights and passing on those short notice fights just because there's so much randomness and that's what I'm going to advise you do here. Again, there is no opening betting line for this fight right now, but I would expect it to open at Roosevelt minus 350 to Kroom plus 250 and I do think that Roosevelt's chances in this fight are around 80-85% similar to the Romano fight I was just talking about so the pick for me is going to be Roosevelt Roberts by round two submission and anything less than three to one there's probably value on Roosevelt but other than that I would pass it's probably going to be a pass on both sides of this uh, maybe if Kroom gets up to plus four or five hundred you can maybe take a small shot on him but I think his chances are pretty small and he likely loses here so the pick once again and Roosevelt round two submission. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Julia Avila taking on Sajara Eubanks. The opening betting line for this fight was Avila minus 300 to Eubanks plus 250. Right now we are seeing Avila minus 292, Eubanks plus 245. So the line is staying just about the same. Not too much action coming in on this fight. At these odds, I do think the value is on Sajara. Uh, it's a pretty binary matchup in my opinion. I think Sajara is the better grappler. Avila is the better striker. Avila's only had two fights in the UFC though. One was a very well-rounded performance against Pani Kianzad where she showed that she's a very well-rounded fighter. And then another one was a quick knockout over Gina Mazzani. So Avila has some nice boxing. She's got some pop in her hands. I mean, she seriously has some power. I mean, she was hurting Avila or she was hurting uh, Kianzad with punches and then she finished uh, uh, Mazzani pretty quickly so I'm pretty impressed with Avila's power. The only aspect of Avila's game that is really still up in the air is her defensive grappling. We haven't seen it tested too much. We did see her defend some takedowns from Penny Kianzad and we had seen her taken down on the regionals. She fought Nico Montano and was taken down but worked her way back up to the feet so it seems like her takedown defense might not be great but she definitely can work her way back up to the feet and has solid get-ups but I think she's fighting the best grappler that she's ever fought in Sajara Eubanks here. Uh, Eubanks has hit takedowns on every one of her opponents that she's fought in the UFC. 
But there's one big problem with that is that Eubanks slows down when she grapples. When she uh, shoots a lot of takedowns, she uses a lot of energy, and she doesn't have the best gas tank. We've seen her slow down in the late rounds a lot. She dominated Beche Cohea in round one, slowed down in rounds two and three, got outboxed, and lost the decision. And I mean, that was a pretty easy test for Eubanks, and she still managed to fail it just about a year ago. So. Eubanks has a lot of skill. She's a great grappler, a solid striker as well. It just seems like she doesn't have the cardio and sometimes the the fight IQ to uh, use that to her advantage. And sometimes she loses or makes fights closer than they have to be. But when you look at Eubanks' record, I mean, she does have wins over Roxanne Matafari, over Lauren Murphy. I mean, those are decent wins. Even her last fight against Sarah Moras was a little bit better of a performance. So Eubanks does have a path to victory here by using her wrestling, getting this fight to the floor, and outgrappling Avila once she gets on the floor. I do think that that's a possible outcome for this fight. I think that Sajara probably hits a takedown or two like because she has hit him in all of her fights. But I don't think that she will do much with the takedowns. I think she might get some lay and pray time, but I don't think she'll land much ground and pound. I don't think she'll pass guard and go for a submission. So I think Avila will eventually work her way back up to the feet and continue outstriking Eubanks at distance and in the clinch here. So if the fight stays in the feet, I think I give a pretty significant advantage to Avila, maybe like a 70-30 advantage to Avila. I just think that she's clearly the better boxer better defense, maybe even the better clinch striker as well. And then once it gets down to the floor, that advantage shifts. I think that Eubanks has a 70-30 advantage on the floor here. So I think that both women know what they need to do to win the fight. Sajara takedowns, Avila stuff takedowns. And I think I do trust Avila a little bit more to stuff takedowns and outstrike Eubanks on the feet here because there's always the possibility that Eubanks just doesn't shoot takedowns, that she's content to strike with Avila. And I do think she loses that fight here. So Eubanks could look good if she hits takedowns. If she's getting those takedowns and getting top position, she might be a good live bet. But the pick for me is going to be Avila by decision. And then in terms for props for this fight, if you want to put some faith in Eubanks, I would go Eubanks by submission. And for Avila, Avila by knockout in round three is plus 2,000, I think. Eubanks is notorious for slowing down in round three. Avila has some pop in her hands, like I was saying, and she seemed to carry that power late into the fight versus Kianzad in her UFC debut. So I think that Avila could get a late finish here if it goes into that third round. So the pick is Avila by decision. It is dogger pass in terms of the money line, and my only bet for the fight is Avila by round three knockout. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Matt Schnell taking on Tyson Nam. The opening betting line for this fight was a minus 110 pick'em on both sides. Right now we are seeing Nam minus 115 to Schnell minus 105. I was actually able to bet Tyson Nam as a plus 120 underdog in this fight for one unit, and I'm very happy with that price, seeing as he's gone to a favorite now. And I think this is a pretty clear matchup for Nam. Matt Schnell is a very fun, aggressive fighter. He usually comes out aggressive in round one, throws a lot of strikes, maybe even looks for that knockout early. He actually had a few round one submissions over Smolka and over Espinosa, but then got in a back and forth war with Pantoja last fight and did get knocked out in round one. So I think that his defense and his chin are major concerns. I mean, Matt Schnell has been knocked out in the UFC several times. Of course, the Sandoval knockout, he got knocked out by some really weak ground and pound. So Schnell's chin has always been an issue for him and I just don't think that his boxing defense is up to par on the feed he tried to get in a brawl with Pantoja at a pace that he couldn't keep up he did have some early success and was able to rock Pantoja at one point in that fight but you know that doesn't really mean much when he got knocked out himself just a few minutes later so 
getting over to Tyson Nam. He had a slow start in the UFC. He was uh, knocking dudes out on the uh, the regionals over in Russia, looking really great. And then he got to the UFC and he kind of slowed down a little bit. He had two low output decisions where he lost both of them versus uh, Sergio Pettis and versus Kai Kara France. Uh, the Pettis fight was pretty bad. He just didn't uh, throw enough in that fight, but he definitely upped the output in the Kai Kara France fight. Very competitive fight. I thought he maybe even had a case for winning rounds one and two versus Kai Kara France there. And then in uh, Nam's most recent fight, it was a, a pretty easy uh, setup fight for him. He had a short notice opponent, and he was able to knock him out in about 45 seconds. Uh, Adeshev was the guy's name, and uh, Nam just showed he's a very skilled counterpuncher. He showed that he has some power in his hands in that fight. Although it doesn't mean much because Adeshev was a late notice guy, not UFC level at all. But I still think that uh, that, that showed. Nam's ability. He's a good counter puncher. He's got a solid right hand, and I think that might, that might be enough to beat Schnell here because I see I see Schnell coming out aggressive like he always does, getting in those boxing exchanges. And I just think that Nam is the better boxer. He will find a home for that counter right hand, and I think he either rocks Schnell with it, um, you know, consistently enough to win the rounds, or is able to hurt Schnell and put him away by knockout. So I do think he does get it done by knockout. I just don't think Schnell's chin is good enough to hold up throughout the, the three rounds with a solid powerful counter puncher like Nam. So the pick for me is going to be Tyson Nam by knockout. My only concern over Nam losing the fight is maybe he doesn't throw enough. Maybe he uh, lets Schnell into a competitive striking match when they're kind of just going at a slow pace, similar to Nam's first few fights in the UFC. But I think that Schnell will come out aggressive and Nam will match that tempo and eventually find a home for that right hand for the knockout. So once again, the pick is Tyson Nam by knockout. I have one unit on him at plus 120. And honestly, at these minus 115 odds, I still think there is value i would cap him closer to 55 to 60 percent here so the pick is going to be tyson nam i will be betting his money line as well the next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have billy quarantillo taking on kyle nelson the opening betting line for this one was Quarantillo, the favorite at minus 300 to Kyle Nelson plus 250. Right now we are seeing Quarantillo minus 260 to Nelson plus 220. More action coming in on the underdog Kyle Nelson here and I agree with that action. I think that where the line is set at now it still might be a little bit wide. I just think Quarantillo is a very confusing fighter. I don't think that he really excels anywhere. I don't even think that he really knows what he's better at, if he's a better striker or grappler, because he's kind of sloppy in both. His his striking offense is not very crisp. His defense isn't good. And then his takedown defense isn't great. He tends to get taken down, stuck on his back. He does have the ability to reverse position. I think Quarantillo might be at his best when he's hitting offensive takedowns. He was able to outgrapple Kilburn in his first UFC fight, and he had some success taking down and holding down Spike Carlisle, but Carlisle is not a very high-level grappler, and he gave Quarantillo a very tough fight on the ground. There were a lot of back-and-forth exchanges. Quarantillo had dominant positions and then would lose them, so I just don't think he's that great of a grappler, and I'm struggling to see how Quarantillo justifies being a minus 260 favorite in this fight. I think in round one, Kyle Nelson comes out really aggressive like he does in most of his fights. He's probably going to be the better striker and the more dangerous striker. Uh, I think Nelson even has a small chance of getting a round one knockout here, so the, the Nelson round one knockout props have some value. If the fight does get into round two or three, I think I will start to favor Quarantillo at more of a 60 to 70% rate because Nelson's cardio didn't look great in the Matt Sales fight. He had a back and forth grappling fight with Sales and he was eventually stuck on bottom. 
submitted in round three versus Sales, who's not a great grappler in his own right. So I think that that's a very real possibility here is that Nelson comes out hard in round one, looking for that finish. And if he does not get it, he should get taken down and out grappled in the later rounds. But I really do think that Nelson is live in round one. I think that he's going to come out aggressive and look better than a two to one underdog in round one. And I think that, as I mentioned before, that Nelson round one knockout prop has a lot of value. So this is a clear dogger pass fight, in my opinion. I would cap Quarantillo closer to minus 170, minus 200 area. But where he's at now at minus 260 and where the opening line was at minus 300, those lines are off. And I think that the value is on Kyle Nelson here. So in terms of an official prediction, I think I'm still going to go with Billy Quarantillo by decision. He also could get it done by late 2-3 submission, as I mentioned. But I think this fight could play out in a lot of different ways. It's a very competitive fight. And I think that uh, Kyle Nelson is going to be really live here so i haven't locked in any action on nelson myself yet but i might do so in the near future keep an eye out for my bet mma tips page for my official bets um, but for this fight the official prediction is going to be quarantillo by decision but it is dogger pass in terms of money line the next fight takes place in the lightweight division we have alan patrick taking on bobby green the opening betting line for this one was green minus 185 to Patrick plus 145. Right now we are seeing green minus 260 to Patrick plus 220. More action coming in on the favorite Bobby Green. And I think that initially that was the right side to be on. But where the line is at now at minus 260, I don't think there is any value on green. And I think that there might even be some value on Patrick at these odds. And Bobby Green is a great defensive grappler. He has great takedown defense. He can scramble off his back. He's just a, a really fun fighter overall. I'm a huge fan of Bobby Green, but... I will say that when he fought Clay Guida just a few months back, Guida is way past his prime. He was getting beat badly in that fight, but Guida was shooting a lot of takedowns, and he was able to hold Bobby Green against the cage for several minutes of that fight, and Green's takedown defense held up. He was stuffing takedowns and landing clinch strikes and clearly winning the fight in my opinion, but he was still getting pushed against the cage. He was still vulnerable for getting taken down, and against a better wrestler like Patrick, a guy who's a little more athletic than Clay Guida at this stage of of their careers i think that patrick could present some problems for bobby green now green is the better striker here no question he's the much better boxer and patrick's striking is pretty bad it seems like he's only a grappler and if he can't get takedowns he doesn't seem to have much of a plan b at all and that's kind of what happened in the scott holtzman fight that was his most recent fight actually he's coming off of a two-year layoff for alan patrick but he tried taking down scott holtzman he failed he got butchered in the clinch he was getting outstruck at range he ended up getting dropped and nasty knocked out with some elbows in that fight so patrick took a a lot of damage in that last fight took a lot of time off and uh you know he might have improved a little bit but I'm not counting on many major improvements from Alan Patrick here. I think he still comes in the same fighter, pretty one-dimensional grappler, and he's going to shoot takedowns on Green. He might hit some. I do expect Green to get back up to his feet or to just stuff the takedowns outright and to outstrike Patrick on the feet. He's the much better boxer. He's got phenomenal striking, in my opinion. I mean, Bobby Green is such an underrated fighter. He fights very lackadaisical at times. It seems like he doesn't fight with the most initiative, but in terms of technique, I mean, the guy is solid all around i mean he's better than Saad. i think he's a great defensive grappler a great striker has a great sense of counter punching and uh combination punching digging to the body i mean he can fight from both sides orthodox and southpaw so big fan of bobby green looking forward to seeing him fight again here and cash big on him in his last fight versus lando venata but this fight is going to be a pass for me i think that 
there's some slight value on Patrick as that underdog just because I think that he can make this fight closer than the odds indicate by cage pushing and by maybe hitting a few takedowns. Um, so the, the value is on Patrick at these odds, but it's going to be a pass for me in terms of money line. And the pick is going to be Bobby Green by decision. Uh, not much of a finisher, Bobby Green, but this is this could look like a mismatch in rounds two and three. So I could see a finish along the lines for Green too. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Ed Herman taking on Mike Rodriguez. The opening betting line for this one was Rodriguez minus 170 to Herman plus 145. Right now we are seeing Mike Rodriguez minus 245 to Herman plus 205. So more action coming in on the favorite Mike Rodriguez here. And I disagree with that action. I think this is going to be a really close fight. And I think that I'm actually going to be picking Ed Herman here to pull off the upset victory. Big fan of Ed Herman. He's a very tough, gritty, reliable guy. Um, he's you know, 38, 39 years old. He's been in the UFC for 15, 20 years, but I think that he still can win some fights at light heavyweight because a lot of the light heavyweights are sloppy guys who go for round one knockouts. And if they don't get it, then they're tired. They don't have good clinching skills. And I think that's exactly what Mike Rodriguez is here. Rodriguez had a few round two knockouts on the regional scene about four or five years ago, but in the UFC, he is winless outside of round one. The two times he has gone outside of round one, he lost both of those fights by decision to Devin Clark and to John Allen. He really struggled with the takedowns and the clinching of Dev Clark. Dev Clark kind of just put him against the cage, held him there, outstruck him in the clinch. John Allen did a lot of the same, except John Allen was hitting more takedowns. And Allen's actually a pretty good uh, distance striker as well. And he gave Rodriguez a lot of trouble in that fight. So getting down to analyzing this matchup, you got to favor Mike Rodriguez in round one. He's the much younger, faster, more powerful guy. And I do think that if Rodriguez wins the fight, his best chance is to win in round one. So he's going to try to come out early, try to land that punch on Herman's chin. But from what I've seen of Herman, he still has solid defensive boxing. He's still somewhat durable. He can go into the later rounds. And he actually had a fight kind of similar to this matchup with Ibrahimov not that long ago, where he covered up in round one. He avoided the early storm for Ibrahimov and then was outstriking uh, Ibrahimov in rounds two and three, out clinching him. And he won that fight via decision. So Ed Herman has to follow a very similar game plan to that Ibrahimov fight. He's going to have to stay solid defensively in round one, avoid getting hit with any big knockout punches when Rodriguez is at his freshest. And when Rodriguez gets aggressive, Herman's going to clinch him up. He's going to put him against the cage. He's going to land some, some knees and elbows in the clinch. And even at distance, I think that Ed Herman can compete. He had a very competitive uh, boxing fight with... Uh, John Vellante not that long ago and he proved that he has three rounds of output in him and he proved that he can still take a punch too so I think that Ed Herman is going to be competitive at distance but ultimately lose and then he's going to get the fight into the clinch he might even hit his own takedowns where he's going to start to out grapple and out grind Mike Rodriguez here in the later rounds so when it comes down to betting this fight from a money line perspective, it is tough because I do think there's value on Herman at plus 200 right off the bat, but I think there's a good chance that Rodriguez comes out early and he's either going to win round one or win by knockout in round one. So it might be better to wait to bet at Herman to midway through round one or at the end of round one because that is going to be his biggest chance to lose when Rodriguez is coming out hard and fast in round one. Uh, Herman is going to be in danger. He could be getting knocked out early, but I think he weathers that early storm. He gets it into the later rounds and he wins this fight on attrition, grit, and cardio. Um, so that's going to be the pick for me, Ed Herman, by decision. 
Honestly, I do think the most likely outcome is is Rod by round one knockout, um, but I'm going to, to believe in my man Ed Herman. I think he weathers that storm, as I said, and uh, I likely will be betting him small at plus 200 before the fight, and as I mentioned, looking to add more in the live bets. So the pick, once again, Ed Herman by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Andrea Lee taking on Roxanne Modafari. The opening betting line for this one was Andrea Lee minus 240 to Roxanne plus 205. Right now we are seeing Andrea Lee minus 320 to Roxanne plus 260. So this is a rematch. They did fight back in Invicta in around 2014. And Lee was much more raw at the time. She was not nearly as good of a striker as she once was. But Roxy seemed to fight relatively the same. It seems like her style has stayed just about the same. The fight started off with Roxy attempting takedowns and Lee was able to stuff a few takedowns but eventually did get taken down and stuck on her back for a few minutes. But Roxy had dominant top position but was able to lose that top position in pretty bad fashion. So Roxy started winning the striking in round two. We had some back and forth sloppy grappling exchanges. And then in round three, Roxy took over, hit takedowns, and controlled uh, Lee for a decisive round three. But rounds one and two were very, very close. Could have been anybody's round. And that was when Lee was really raw and and inexperienced. And Roxanne had a huge advantage over her in experience. And now I think Lee is caught up a little bit. She's uh, had a lot of fights in Invicta, UFC experience, and Roxanne might be kind of at the tail end of her career. She looked a little bit slow versus uh, Murphy in her last fight, was getting outboxed by Murphy, wasn't able to hit takedowns. And she's had a few fights like that. That The, the Maya fight looked like that. And uh, even the Antonia Shevchenko fight was a very close fight that Roxanne won by a very slim margin. So... Talking about the money line for this fight, I do cap Lee closer to 65 to 70%, so I do think there's some slight value on Roxanne Modafari. I just think this fight will be competitive everywhere. I think that I give Lee a slight advantage on the feet and on the ground. I don't think that Roxanne will be able to hit takedowns and keep top position very easily, but if you look at Andrea Lee's last fight, she probably should have won that fight versus Lauren Murphy, but she got taken down at the end of the rounds uh, in multiple rounds of that fight and somehow lost that fight on the judges scorecards it seemed like it was a pretty clear win for andrea lee but when you're getting taken down and you're ending the round on your back you really can't complain about the judges scoring the fight for your opponent um so that's a major weakness of lee here and we could see Lee winning the rounds. You'd think they're clear rounds, but then Roxanne hits a late takedown and steals that round back here. So I think that Lee's takedown defense is a little bit too raw to be betting her at minus 300 here because I think that Roxy could hit takedowns and possibly outgrapple Lee from top here, even though she is very late in her career. And I think that Lee has made a lot more improvements since the first time they fought. So the pick is going to be Andrea Lee by decision, but I think it's going to be a, a closer fight than the odds indicate. And there might even be some value on Roxanne at plus 260 here maybe Roxanne decision as well Um, so the pick is Andrea Lee by decision dogger pass in the money line the next fight takes place in the lightweight division we have Kama Worthy taking on Ottoman Azatar the opening betting line for this one was Azatar minus 125 to Worthy plus 105 right now we are seeing Worthy minus 120 to Azatar plus 110 so the early action in this fight came in on Azatar. Worthy was sitting at about plus 155 for a while. And anybody who got in on that price, congratulations to you. You got a great price because I do think that Worthy should be the favorite here. 
I think that you could even cap Worthy closer to 60 to 65% here because Ottoman Azatar is a very one-dimensional fighter. He is a round one knockout or bust type of fighter. He comes out with wild striking in round one. His offensive striking isn't very technical. He doesn't seem to have much defense at all. I've seen him get dropped on tape. I've seen him get taken down on tape. It seems like he slows down in the later rounds. And it, he just doesn't have much experience in rounds two and three because most of his wins are mismatches where he gets the round one knockout. Um, so I think that Worthy is going to be his hardest opponent to date. Uh, can't say the same about Worthy. I think that Worthy has fought tougher opponents. I think Luis Pena is a tougher opponent than Azatar. And I mean, Worthy impressed me a lot in that last fight. I definitely underestimated Common Worthy going into that fight. I was picking Luis Pena. If you actually go back and listen to the podcast, I said that it would be nearly impossible for Worthy to submit Luis Pena. And surely enough, in the third round, Worthy snatches a guillotine and submits Pena to make me sound like a doofus. But Worthy just showed a lot of technique in that fight. He showed solid defensive grappling. He was taken down, had his back taken, and was outgrappled for most of round two. But he doesn't have to worry about that here because Azatar is not a good grappler at all. I think that Worthy will struggle in the future with better grapplers. But that Luis Pena fight showed that Kama Worthy is a good fighter. I mean, he has solid defensive uh, boxing. He has good offensive technique. He digs to the body well. He lost round two pretty decisively, but he didn't give up at all. He came out in round three aggressive. He was stuffing takedowns. He was digging to the body. He was landing a lot of hard strikes on Luis Pena. That eventually led Pena to, to shoot a bad takedown, and that's when uh, Worthy snatched that neck for the guillotine. So Worthy proved he's a very well-rounded fighter. I think uh, he's still strong. Struggles with a takedown defense and defensive grappling, but that won't be a factor here. I think that on the feet, Worthy is the better offensive and defensive striker. I think he has the crisper offensive technique. He digs to the body a lot better. He throws leg kicks very well. And I think that his defense is just much, much better. He parries shots. He has a good sense of slip and punches. And Azatar is just a completely raw power puncher who just goes for the round one knockout, and that's it. So the best way to play this fight is... Azatar by round one knockout. Um, I think I bet Azatar in round one at plus 500 and then bet common worthy money line. That's a great way to play both sides. I think it's extremely unlikely that Azatar wins outside of round one. Um, I think it's really, really unlikely that he wins a decision. He might score a round two or three knockout, but again, very unlikely. I think that if Worthy makes it out of round one, he starts to take over and gets a late finish here. So the pick for me is going to be Worthy by round three finish. I think he just starts to take over in those later rounds and puts it on Azatar and gets a late finish. So the pick for me is Kama Worthy. I have two units on his money line at minus 110, also betting that plus 500 as I mentioned. So this is a great way to play both sides of the fight. Azatar round one, worthy money line, and the pick for me is worthy by round three finish. The next fight is the main event of the evening in the women's strawweight division. We have Angela Hill taking on Michelle Waterson. The opening betting line for this fight was Hill minus 170, Waterson plus 145. Right now we are seeing Hill minus 115 to Waterson plus 105. The early action in this fight came in on Waterson. Um, Hill was sitting around minus 145 uh, for a few days, few weeks, and then the fight got bumped up to five rounds. It got uh, promoted to a main event, and then people have been betting Michelle Waterson a little bit more since that news came out. 
And I understand why people came in on Watterson. I do think that the fight being five rounds favors Watterson more um, because I think it's more time for a finish to happen for her. I think that if Watterson wins the fight, it will be by finish. I don't think that she has the striking volume to compete with Angela Hill over five rounds. In terms of the the striking between the two, Angela Hill is the better kickboxer, no question. Um, she has higher output. She lands more head strikes. Watterson is a decent kickboxer of her own right, but she just fights in a much different style. She fights in like a defensive striking style where she uses her push kicks and uses her karate to keep the fight at long kicking range. But Angela Hill is going to be throwing leg kicks. She's going to be throwing way more punches. And I think that she just lands more strikes and clearly wins the, the rounds in the eyes of the judges in terms of striking. Now, where the fight gets competitive uh, will be in the clinch and in the takedowns. I think that Michelle is the better grappler of the two. She likes to hit takedowns in a lot of her fights. Um, but in the clinch, I think that Angela Hill is the much better striker. We saw Watterson struggle a lot with the clinch of Felice Herrig. Um, Felice was able to get that body lock on her, push her against the cage, and control her for several minutes of that fight. And we really saw Watterson have some defensive uh clinching problems in that fight she struggled breaking the clinch she was getting need a lot to the stomach in that fight and i think that that could happen here because we saw angela hill out clinch uh loma lookbun me not that long ago lookbun me an established Muay Thai fighter, the best Muay Thai practitioner in the UFC. And Hill was able to hold her own in the clinch, land some good knees and elbows. And it just shows that Angela Hill is a very skilled clinch fighter. And I think that she will win the clinch striking battle and the position battle in this fight. So the way Watterson wins the fight is by hitting takedowns, either keeping top position for three out of five rounds or getting a submission. And Hill's takedown defense isn't great. She did get taken down and submitted by Randa Marcos not that long ago. But you could see the improvements that Angela Hill is making in her defensive grappling in her most recent fight against Claudia Gadelia. She was defending a lot of takedown attempts in round one of that fight, was staying on her feet for most of the round, but in the last minute of the round, she did get taken down and stuck on bottom and side control. But by the end of the round, she was already working her way back up to the feet. And that is a huge sign of improvement because not that long ago, she was getting stuck on bottom and submitted versus Randa Marcos. And now she was stuck on bottom and side control of a great grappler in Claudia Gadelia, and she was able to work her way back up to the feet. So I think if Michelle Watterson hits takedowns here, and I do think that she does hit one or two takedowns, um, maybe a, a head and arm throw or an inside outside trip from the clinch, I just don't think that she will do enough with the takedowns to win rounds or to submit Hill here. And I think that Hill works her way back up to the feet and just gets right back to outstriking Watterson. I, as I mentioned before, Hill is the better distance and clinch striker in my opinion. So I just think it's going to be extremely hard for Michelle Watterson to win the fight while getting outstruck on the feet and just not having dominant enough grappling to get Hill down, to keep her down, to make the top position count, and to possibly even finish her on the ground. So the pick for me is going to be Angela Hill by decision. I think she wins this fight 49-46. She probably drops one round, maybe even two rounds by getting taken down. Uh, maybe get a gets she's winning the round. She gets taken down in the last minute of the round and loses the round. I can see that happening here. But overall, I think that Angela Hill wins like 17, 18 minutes of the fight by having the better striking volume, landing the cleaner strikes, and she's going to win this fight on the judges' scorecards. 
I cap Angela Hill closer to 60, 65% here. So at this minus 115 price, there is a lot of value on Angela Hill. I will be playing her money line uh, pretty heavily, honestly. I think I'll probably end up with about three units on Angela Hill at this minus 115 price. And the price just keeps getting on better. So I might wait to lock in my action on Angela Hill because that price is just keep creeping up closer to evens. And she might even get to an underdog price at one point. But that would be really crazy. So once again, the pick is Angela Hill. I think she wins this fight via decision, and I'm pretty confident in her to get it done as well. So that is going to do it for this episode. We analyzed all 13 fights. We've got a great uh, card of fights going down this Saturday. I forgot to mention in the beginning of the podcast, last week I went four for three on official predictions and lost four units in terms of official track bets, but we are still up around 43 units for the year of 2020, and we will look to get right back on track this weekend with this event. So you can see all my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, which is in my Twitter description and the YouTube description videos as well so check out my official best there i thank you all for listening hope you all enjoy the fights and i hope you all win some bets have a good weekend peace